scripture reading this morning we come from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 47. And it reads, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying their favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Good morning. Good morning. Are you happy now, Zariah? Oh, good. All right. We were all worried about you for a little while. Um, you know when you can get down underneath pews, you're short like that? Sometimes you bump your head, sometimes other things go on, and life is hard. But we get to enjoy being together this morning. Before we get into the lesson this morning, though, let's have our prayer together, please. Father, our Lord, our God, our desire today in this moment to glorify you to see who you are all that you've done and to know Father how great you are how good you've been to us the depth of your love for each one of us. So, Father, as we sing, as we open up your word, as we pray together, as we encourage each other, Father, we want you to be honored. We want to reflect what you've done in us and to show how you have changed us, and how you're changing us. Help us, Father, to use this day for your, for your glory. And that if we're given the gift of tomorrow, Father, that wherever we are, you will be first and foremost in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives. We look forward to that day, Father, that we'll be with you 
as we wait. Give us strength. Give us hope. First through Jesus that we pray. Amen. There are times that we can look back and think, if we really think about it, how amazing it would have been to be there. The second chapter of Acts is one of those moments. Now, Jerusalem's already filled with all kinds of excitement. People have come in from all over the world. So this, this is not just a, a normal, normal day. This is a moment where there are people and the, the whole town, the whole city, the temple, filled with people and all of them thinking about God and all that goes on. And so when the Spirit of God comes upon those who are gathered up, waiting for whatever Jesus said is coming, and as it arrives... And Peter begins to speak, and everybody, they hear the others, and they hear them speaking in different languages. And, and the impact of all that goes on, you know, when, you, when you're somewhere where nobody is speaking the language you speak that you grew up with, and then you show up someplace and you hear somebody talking in that language, it catches your ear. And that's what happens to them. They hear that, and they go, this is no, there's no way they know my language, and, but they're speaking it up there. And Peter gets up there to tell them and explain to them. That, look, this is what God's doing. And he, he gets them back to Jesus. says, you know who Jesus, you know who Jesus is. You saw what he did. You heard him teach. You knew he was from God. And still, what did you do? You turned away from him. You put him to death. But God knew that was what was coming. And he didn't leave him there in the grave. And he returned to life. And we saw. We saw him. We're witnesses to tell you about all that had gone on. And so today, he says, we stand in front of you to tell you that this Jesus... This Jesus that you thought that you had gotten rid of, this Jesus that you thought was long gone now, He has been made Lord and Christ. He's the Messiah that we've been looking for all along. And when the people that are gathered there hear that, you, you can hear, oh, the, the cry, the pain that they felt. When they realized what they had done, that the, the one they'd been looking for all along was the one that they had rejected. And so that cry when they say, what, what do we do now? What do we do now after all of this? And when, when Peter tells them, you need to make a change in your heart. You need to do something different with your lives. Put on Christ in baptism. You'll be forgiven. You'll be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's dramatic. It's, it's dramatic moments always need music. So when we, when we look at all of that and, and we see that they, that they hear what God has promised, that they know what's going on, and then the response... You know, it's, it's something to be in a large crowd, but can you imagine 3,000, 3,000 being baptized that day? Now, this isn't an actual picture. The film has faded long since that day, but, and it wouldn't have been at a river where they were being baptized because they were in Jerusalem, but there are pools all over Jerusalem. And so they wouldn't have been happening all in one place. They probably all divided up and went where they needed to go. And, and to think about how long it still took 
for them to baptize that many people. But when you, when you see that moment, now from, from all the excitement of the day of Pentecost, for all those folks who had traveled in everywhere, and now we have thousands who have put on Christ in baptism. Can you imagine how charged the atmosphere is now that they had realized who Jesus was, that they, they put their trust in him, they were baptized into him, and now they begin to live a life that is going to be different because of who Jesus is. So what happens next? And that's when we, in our, our reading, verse 42 on down, we get to see what they do from that day on. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone is filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their neighbor, number daily those who were being saved. Now, there's a whole lot that goes on in those few verses. And, and to think about that, it wasn't just the day of Pentecost, 3,000 baptized, but every day as they go on, more and more people make the same commitment to Christ as, as they have. And, and they, their, their community, the church, begins to grow and all that goes on. And so the, one of the things that we get to see that they do when you think about after they've put on Christ, after we've committed ourselves to Jesus, we can make this about us. When we've recommitted ourselves to Christ, what, what do we need to do first off? And some of the things that we get to watch them do is, is some things that God would want us to do as well. If you read those verses, what you see is they, they were with each other. And that's something that we need to do as well, that we need to connect to other believers as we live this life. Because, you know, faith is not lived, faith is not lived alone. God intends for us to live who we are and our trust in God together. And so one of the first things we need to make sure that we do is that we connect with other folks that we draw in. Because in those relationships, you know what we get from those relationships that, that we need is that we, we get that encouragement. We get that support. We get, we get things like that building each other up. Romans 14, 13, 19. Let, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. And, and these kind of verses over and over again, the one and other verses especially, is a reminder, you can't do those by yourself. You have to have other people around you to do those kind of things. In chapter 15, verse 2, each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. So that's part of the connection that we have together, is to build each other up, that, that you build me up and I build you up, that we have that relationship. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, that we, we're there for each other. And we're able to walk together. I've always thought we need people in our lives that at 2 in the morning, if we have a need, that we know somebody we can call that will be there for us. That kind of connection. Now, the thing about this idea of connecting is that some of y'all are thinking, oh, this is going to be really good. The extroverts who already have 383,000 friends and are looking to add more, but the introverts are already saying, I've already got my half a friend and I'm okay. I don't need anybody else. And the thing is, is even for the extroverts, it's not having how many you have, but somebody that you're close enough to that can tell you the truth about what's going on in your life, that can be there for you, that you know, that you know somebody else well enough, and they trust you enough that you can tell them about something that's going on in their life, that you can, 
you can share the truth with each other, that you can love each other, that you can be there for each other. And introverts, you don't need 343,000 friends. But you do need people who are believers in your life that you can connect to, that you can hold on to, that will walk with you. And, and I think the challenge in all that is that to find that means that we've got to be purposeful in some of that. You know, the downside of sitting in this room together is I get to see all of y'all's faces. Well, unless, unless you're busy praying or, or oh no, or, you, or you're laying down underneath one of the pews, I don't see you as well. But the idea is that I get to see y'all, but y'all, what do y'all see about everybody else? What you see are backs of heads if you're far enough back. And then everybody else up on the front row, all they have to, they, they're stuck looking at me and that's it. If you're lucky, you've got one of the little ones right there in front of you that will keep you amused for a while. But otherwise, sitting in a room like this is not where we really make those connections, is it? What happens where it happens is maybe before when we get to talk to somebody, maybe after when we get to talk to somebody, maybe in a classroom where we get to be a little bit closer. But the thing is, for those relationships to develop means that we have to have time together. When you look back at Acts chapter 2, that's what they did. They ate together. They spent time together in the temple. They were together. And when, for us to develop those connections, we have to be with each other on purpose. So that we notice each other. So we see what's going on. Now this isn't just a transactional relationship. It's not just something we do it so we get something in return. I'll do something good for you. You do something good for me. It goes deeper than that. Because what God wants us to realize is that what he has done for us. Think about how deeply we are loved by God. And when we realize that, it begins to overflow from our hearts and the idea is that when we realize the, how much we are loved, that we begin to love those around us in that same way. That's what God is aiming for, for us to be changed by his love. And so when we think about that, follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are to love as we've been loved. And that's not just a do it because we have to. It's that we learn from him, and now we do that in our lives for each other. Uh, John chapter 13, where he tells Jesus, says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, that last phrase is one we ought to really grab a hold of because it reminds us that when, when God is really making a change in us, that we have committed ourselves to him, it'll change how we treat each other. It'll change how we connect to each other because that'll show how God has made an impact in our lives. And it overflows from our hearts into what God has in mind. We, we learn to love here. We learn to love with each other. Is that how God wants us to love? He doesn't want to just do it because we have to. He wants us to learn to really love. Love must be sincere. He doesn't want to put on. An, he doesn't want us acting like we love. He wants us to love each other, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. The connection we have for some each other. And so we have to on purpose choose to be these kind of people that we connect to each other, we love each other, we're there for each other. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. When you, when you read this verse, think about it from this perspective. Because we are God's people, 
because we are holy, because we're dearly loved by God. Think about how that changes how we live our lives. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Because we are loved, we love. And for us, when we, when we first become a Christian, we need other people in our lives, other believers in our lives. If we're going to commit ourselves to live for Christ, we need other believers in our lives. And we need to have somebody we can grab a hold of. Every one of us. <clears throat> There's something else that happens in Acts 2. And I want to expand on what goes on because I don't think that's the whole picture of what happened in that day. But there's something that happens there that, that is a reminder of what God wants us to have in mind. There in verses 44 and 45, he says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Just a simple little statement, isn't it? It just shows how when we're connected to each other, we start to take care of each other, don't we? And, and that is another aspect of what God wants us to do for each other. When we, are, when we put on Christ in baptism, something that we need to do is seek to have a way to serve those around us. To be there for the people around us. To take care of the people around us. And that's going to be different for all of us. Now, Galatians 5.13, he says it this way. You, brothers, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Ser- serving is just an outgrowth of our love for each other that we'll naturally want to, to be there for each other. And we see a need and we want to take care of it. Now, the thing about that is that that's going to be different for all of us. We get over to chapter 4, and there's a, it's not just that they had things that they did for each other. They took care of each other. It says, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, if you didn't have a house that you could sell or land that you could sell, you couldn't do this, could you? And I want us to realize when we talk about service, that doesn't mean all of us do the same thing. Service is something that's unique for every one of us, that all of us are different. All of us have different resources. All of us have different abilities. All of us are a different place in life. And we're going to serve based upon what we have, not based upon what somebody else may have. So part of that comes out this way. Romans chapter 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In, in all this, what, he, what he's reminding us is really, in, in God's church, there is not a jack of all trades. That each of us has a place and a way that we serve. And that's how God wants us to serve, with what we're able to do, where we are, and with what we have. And for us to be able to be who God wants us to be, that we take that and we, we have this place that God's given us. That God has put us right where we need to be. We can all dream about if... How many good things would y'all do if you had a hundred million dollars right now? Would y'all do some good things? See, the thing is, is yeah, I've got I could make up a list that's great, but I don't have a hundred million dollars today. Maybe tomorrow. 
Uh, probably not tomorrow either, but I don't have $100 million. So I'm not going to be able to do those things that if I had $100 million, I could do those. But I do have what I have today. I have what I have in my possessions. I have what I have in my abilities. I have what I have in my opportunities. And so for me to serve isn't going to be based upon what I could do if I had this. It's who I am right here in this place right now, that God has put me in this place. And in 1 Corinthians 12 from this verse, later on he talks about how we can't go saying, you know, I'm not this, so I, I, I really don't belong, or I'm not that, I don't belong, or, or you're this, so you don't really belong to the body. He says, no, we need everybody. And everybody is unique, and everybody serves God in how they are able to serve God, but you have to find your place where we can make a difference in this world. Because where you are right now, with what you're able to do, you make a difference. You're needed. And so the idea of making that commitment to serve where you are matters tremendously. And you may be saying, you may be saying, how many of y'all would be comfortable if I said, come up here and stand by me and talk for a little bit? There's some of y'all go, no problem. Some of y'all going, I'm comfy right here. I'll let somebody else go. But that's not how we measure everybody. You may have somebody where you make a difference because you're the one that's right there in that moment and you're able to give an encouraging word to them that helps them. You made a difference in that moment. You may know somebody that needs some groceries. You were able to go get it, put it on their porch, knock on the door, run off and giggle all the way away. But you made a difference in that moment. There's, there, there, are, there is a way that you're able to serve that only you can accomplish, that it doesn't fit what I'm able to do. And we need you to be able to serve. God needs you to be able to serve because that's where he wants you to be, to make that difference. In serving, it makes a difference among all of us. In Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about the apostles and the prophets, evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their role is to equip his people for works of service. See, the, the, goal, the, the role of the pastors and teachers, evangelists, isn't to do the works of service. It's to get everybody else able to do what God wants them to do. And when, when somebody steps up and says, I'm going to make a you know, it's like that training. So everybody having their spot. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I, I like that phrase, becoming mature, because when we serve, we make a difference in each other's life, but also when we serve, it changes us because you take what you believe, you put it into practice, and it starts to change you, and you grow. You become more and more who God wants you to be. Uh, further on down, 15 and 16, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There is a place that God wants you to serve, that he has set aside for you. And when we talk about that idea of, of getting done what needs to be done, every, everybody has a part. Really, a church is like a home. We always told our kids, for a home to be a home, there are some things that have to happen. And if you live in the home, you're part of making sure those things happen. Chores aren't really just chores to punish you. No, chores are making sure things get done that need to happen. 
And when we serve out in a house, when we have that in our families, we know together, all of us together, when every one of us has a place where we are serving, we make a tremendous difference in each other's lives. We make a tremendous difference in this world as we put it all together. One more thing. Acts chapter 2, when he talks about everything they've done, the first thing it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now when he says that, I think what we watch in them is they, they didn't just um, oh, they didn't just hang out together. They began to change what they did in their lives, their habits, to be able to grow in Christ, to grow in their faith. Because what we do, you listen to their, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To the word of God. They were devoted to prayer. They gathered together. And they looked for those ways to be able to grow their faith. And so for us, we know that we have a goal. What we want to become. What God wants us to become. So how do we become the men and women God wants us to be from where we are to where we can be? Paul tells Timothy, says, you men of God, flee from all this and pursue Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. There's a direction that we take in our lives that is changing who we are. It changes our character. It changes our faith. It changes how we live our lives. And those habits are intended to make those changes in us where we have that go on in our lives. So we have those habits that lead to growth. Those habits that will change how we think. So what is it that changes our thinking? We don't just come in here and sit together. What, what is it that will change how we think? Because if, if we change how we think, it changes how we live. It changes who we are. In Romans chapter 12, it talks about that kind of change. It says, in, order, in view of God's mercy, to, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He begins with that idea that we belong to God and we live for him in every way. Says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. We, he wants us to change how we think because our old way of thinking doesn't get us where we, we want to go if we're devoted to Christ and we want to live for Him. So, one of those things says, Don't be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. These habits that we talk about putting into our lives are intended to be those seeds that we plant in our lives that will make a difference down the road. It's not going to be an immediate change. How many of you all wish that there was something you could stop in your life right now today and and never have it come back? Or maybe there's something you want to do in your life and you need to change that and, and get that part of it. Generally, those kind of things don't happen instantaneously. We have to work on them. And so these habits are intended to work on us so that what we, what we end up getting is, is the result of those seeds planted, of those habits. It'll change our very character. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, and talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that doesn't just happen in a moment. That happens over a lifetime as we're building and developing and becoming who God wants us to be. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It, it, it's the development of who we are and our character as, as we live our lives. 
And so to change us, we know we have to get into, we get into God's Word. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Now he's going to lay out for us. How do we change our, our thinking that may be anxious? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Habits. Pray. Be thankful. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We have to change what we think about so that we change who we are. We change what goes on inside of us to change how we live out. So whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. I think that's another part of it. When we talk about what God says, it's not just intended to learn what goes on, but to put it in practice in ours, to live it out. And if it's going to change us, we're going to change, it's going to change what we do. And so those spiritual habits, to think about those things that we, we want to become, to where we put these into practice and, and we, we change who we are. And the thing about this is there's not a one-size-fits-all for all of us. <clears throat> you know, uh, you all know the, the good people of the world are morning people, or is that the way it works? So if, so if I told you, if I got up here and said, you know, to be right with God, you need to get up early in the morning, open up God's Word, read and study and meditate and pray. And how many of you all are thinking, man, I'm never going to make it in my if, I, if we lay it out as you've got to do it this way, half of us are going to be going, four in the morning is the best time ever. Nobody else is awake. They're not going to bother me. And some of you are going, there's a four in the morning? We need to take these habits and make them part of who we are. And it's going to be different for all of us. So when we think about that idea of praying, for some of us, we can, we can pray, and we can pray, and make a long prayer, and be focused on what goes on. Some of us, it's going to be a short prayer that's going to be focused, and then we go on, and then we pray again later on, a short prayer. But whatever it is that fits you, you make it. For some of us, our prayers starting out in the morning is going to be different than will be later in the evening. And so when we think about that, or maybe an all-day kind of thing, for some of us, praying from a list, because we want to remember everything we want to bring before God, and for some of us, it may be more of a conversation because of what's going on in our hearts. But whatever it is, we've got to make prayer part of who we are. To get into God's Word, we've got to, we've got to see what fits us. So some, some of y'all may be readers that you want to read it. You have it on the page because the, pa- the paper just smells better and smells right and feels right. But so for some of y'all, it'll be an audio version where you want to play that going on through the day when you're in your car, whenever, wherever you're going, that you have that going. But the important thing is to get into the Word. It, it may be... Now, we I, I always point out that how many different translations we've got among us. But the thing is, is to find a translation that that fits you to where you read and you're in it. That's not a struggle for you, that you can understand what goes on and to be there. That you, because the version you use is better than the one that sits on the shelf. Whether it's on your phone or whether in print, whether it's focusing on a whole bunch of verses all at once or spending the next month chewing on just a couple verses. And what God says in those. None of it's wrong. The whole goal is to get into the Word of God and let it 
get into your thinking and change how you live your life and what goes on. And so we, we think about thankfulness and making that a, a part of our lives every day. We talk about the idea of memorizing God's Word, singing, whether you sing in the car or whether you sing in the shower or wherever you is, to, to have that part of your practice in your lives every day, to meditate on God's Word, to chew on that and let it become part of who you are. Because the idea of what we're shooting for is that every one of us will grow in our faith. I, I love Paul's prayer for the, the folks at Colossae. Says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. And this life is bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. That's, that's the goal, isn't it? That we become those people that Paul prayed that the, the Christians at Colossae would become. And for us to become those people mean that we make a choice today in how we, we order our life, how we put the practices we put into our life to change us change our hearts, to change our minds, to change how we live every way. So the thing about it, oh, weddings are always fun. Got one coming up here in two or three months. There's a whole lot of work going into a wedding. Well, some more than others. But all the plans of preparation to go into that, I have yet to have a couple say, glad that's, the, that's done. Well, we'll see you later. And they go their separate ways. You know, if we treated the wedding as, okay, we got it, we're done, we'd, know, we'd think, okay, y'all are missing the point. The wedding isn't an end. The wedding's a beginning. And when we, we put on Christ in baptism, that's not an end. That's a beginning. And so the goal in, in that beginning is in that commitment, what we're doing is that we've made a commitment to God. And now we live out that commitment. See, sometimes the, the great thing about what God has for us in Christ is that we can look back and go, I didn't keep that up very well. And we get to recommit ourselves to Him and begin today to live out that commitment in every way for Him. So may, maybe this morning, you may need to make that commitment to Christ to put Him on in baptism, to start out. And we'll have folks gather around you and you get to say, you know, can you walk with me in this? And you get to ask some questions about, I'm wondering, how, how can I serve? Where can I make a difference? How can, I, how can I make habits in my life to grow in my faith? And we'll be there for you. You'll walk with us and we'll walk with you. And maybe this morning that you need to recommit yourself. To our Lord to say, you know, I've, I want to be His fully and completely. Yeah. So this morning, if you need to do just that, commit yourself to our Lord to make a recommitment to Him. Would you come down as we stand and sing?